You are now tuned into the Antidote Podcast with DJ Graphmatic and Paulie Dance. Subscribe now and please consider leaving us a 5-star review. Take the Antidote. back this is the antidote podcast you sons of bitches yeah like subscribe share tell your friends tell their mamas tell their mamas tell your aunties tell your aunties too (laughs) tell the the whole nail salon (laughs) take the antidote.com yeah why you getting your feet done just listen to us, whatever. <laughs> We're gonna bring you, like Bernie, you this. What like Bernie Mac getting your nails done? Yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace, Bernie. Hey, Miss Parker, 
<laughs> yeah, we're gonna get into the our song of the week this week. Um, it just dropped. We've actually heard the leak um, a while back, but um, finally, good to see. We actually got some new news announcement uh, for this artist and uh, our, our track of the week. Let me just say it's gonna be good news from Mac Miller. Um, we also got some good news this week that there is an album dropping actually tomorrow. Yeah. The album is uh, dropping tomorrow. It's called Circles. Uh, Mac's family, Mac Miller's family put out a, a release basically that when Mac dropped swimming um, about a month prior to his unfortunate death, that he had all pretty much finished recording a, a counter project to swimming called Circles. Yep. A counterpart and companion piece to swimming that was going to come out shortly after that. And uh, composer, producer John Breon was who he was working with for Circles. For people that don't know who John Breon is, he was the main composer with Kanye on late registration. Mm. Uh, he was also the executive producer, co-producer with Frank Ocean on Blonded. Or Blonde. Man, on Blonde, yeah. Yeah, so uh, John Breon's been in the game and involved in some shit. And um, Mac's family... Uh, blessed John Breon to finish the album uh, as John was there for the whole kind of vision of, of the whole dual project of swimming in circles. And uh, they dropped the first single from circles, which is good news. Good news. Uh, there's a video out on YouTube. Go support that. Definitely. Um, I, I know there's a, a, a pre-ordered link for as well for the vinyl. So go support. Cause that goes to the uh, Mac Miller foundation, uh, blue slide park. And so he, uh, you know, the money's just going back. And, yeah, and it's and, going, I, I believe the Mac Miller Foundation is to help uh, kids get rehab, drug yeah. rehab services. Yep. And actually help through music as well. So yeah. really, really dope. Really, really dope. Um, love to see this. Glad to hear it. But if uh, we're just going to go ahead and drop that track, man. Rest in peace, Mac. Uh, we're big fans. We love you, Doug. Sorry that, you, that you're gone. But definitely the music is still here, still living on. So this is Mac Miller, good news. Everything out And all I do is say 
Dubs, you are tuned into the antidote podcast, you sons of bitches. Yeah, man. And so this this time I want to talk a little bit about cultural appropriation, people stealing from the culture, people living off the culture, 
and uh, people that ain't about the culture pretending to be about the culture. Yeah. And then, and this is musically and figuratively speaking, you know, of course out yeah. in the real world, whatever it is, um, we see cultural appropriation all the damn time and I'm sick of it. Um, me being a black man in America, I'm sick of it. I in particular, the, the music industry has been doing it for quite a while. Pretty as much long the as whole they've time. been around, right? So, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, recorded music's probably been around 150 years. Maybe they've been doing it for 150 years. Yeah, something <laughs> close to that for sure. Um, but it, it, everything that we see out nowadays is appropriated, of course, in some sort, shape, shape or fashion. Um, a lot of music, way, tried, right? <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, I mean, in a lot of it, you try to pay homage. Of course, music has been around a long time. People have flipped it. They've taken it and really done a lot of things with it. But like I said, it, or like we said, this goes back for quite a while. I mean, one of some of the earliest recognizable ones go back to the 30s, you know, um, singers from back then. Uh, being culturally oh, yeah. appropriated, you know, painted, tried to paint in a lighter skin. So they seemed as if they were white instead of black while singing some of the biggest tunes during the, the prohibition thirties and everything like that. And Down then to the you, minstrel shows and the exploitation. Yeah. The minstrel shows. Um, I mean, even hymns like in church, like hymnals and things like that. Come on. You know, somebody had to write that with some soul and it's definitely, <laughs> it definitely wasn't were spirituals, right? From the yeah, plantations. That's what I mean. Hymnals and everything like that. Those all come from the plantation singing in it, like waiting in the water, you know, things like that. It goes as far back as that even, you know? Um, and then of course the biggest ones that you can remember early on was like Elvis Presley, um, right. still like chubby checker. Um, the, all that kind of stuff. And it, it has not stopped. It hasn't changed. Um, and artists use it today to exploit other regions um, or other places. I think another big one too was Led Zeppelin stole from a lot of old blues musicians of the forties and fifties. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Muddy Waters was probably one of the yeah. most jacked yeah. <laughs> um, blues artists ever. Um, they stole a lot of his stuff. Um, you know, things like that. It, it, it's, it's been going on for some time. And like we said, it, it, it's still happening. It still continues in today's music. Um, yeah, well, first let's talk about someone that's like in the culture, appropriating the culture. Yeah. And I want to talk about Drake because he's, he's done this before. Yeah. This is not his first time. <laughs> so right now, <laughs> nor his last, we're going to talk specifically about the song war. He dropped right. Uh, I think on Christmas day, something like that. He yeah. I think it was this. on Christmas maybe. Yeah. Yeah. He dropped war, uh, and it's a UK drill track. So kind of making it sound like Drake invented UK drill. I already hear people talking about his new sound and shit like that, but yeah, yeah. bro. Um, <laughs> this one, this one's a good one to talk about because we talk about how we don't, or at least for me, and then on this show, we've talked about, you know, keeping it real, having the real music, things like that. We, we appreciate that. And I think most people do a majority of, but it seems like when it comes to Drake, it doesn't matter. Um, he can kind of do whatever and he gets a pass for it. Uh, this specific song war, you can hear him taking all kinds of epitaphs and everything from the UK style. Now the UK drill obviously is from a Chicago drill drill, drill music started in, in, in Chicago. So those guys kind of took it and flipped it to their way of a UK artist. My biggest issue with this whole thing is like, why do you have to kind of take 
their slang, their legal, and try to sound like them in the song when that's not you. That's not where you're from. That's not that's not your actual voice. So it's almost like you're pulling like some actor shit, like as if he was doing an episode on Degrassi um, <laughs> to try to put into a song. And that's why I don't fuck with him on that level because he does this all the time um, where he's kind of taken. And this was even in the last couple of years, we heard the big, um, the big styles that we've heard in uh, um, like Afrobeat and things like that. He's he took that of course and made that a whole thing with the, with the last album views, you know, way before Scorpion. He has a lot of that shit on there, you know, one dance and all of that. Right, and um, also like some dance hall kind of shit. Yeah, dance hall. That's what I mean. Like, be Madi- like Madiba in rhythm, in the patois and shit. Yeah, and then that's what he's doing. He's taking a patois of, of 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 people in their areas and you know making whole songs off of it. And to me. That's that's not appropriation. I mean, that is so much of appropriation that is crazy. Um, I don't feel like he's giving enough homage to these people. And recently, he just did a interview with uh, Elliot. Um, uh, I can't remember his last name right now. Sorry. Um, from doing Rap Radar, who is obviously one of the best interviewers. Yeah. Um, he's out there interviewing and Drake and everything like that, and um, you know, he kind of skips everybody but the person who really made the most impact on him in his rap career that he's kind of like skirting by. Um, he named some people except for Fonte. Yeah. <laughs> he named, uh, he named some people, but Fonte for, you know, his influences as far as singing and rapping and things like that. Of course he named Ja Rule, he named 50. All those guys were big during that time to me. They helped push that side. Of course, uh, Nate Dogg was one of the guys doing that type of sound into, um, it's been around a long time, but Man, it's just it's it's the appropriation of the fact that we have these people out here in the UK who are trying to get their their sound heard, and it takes Drake for them to get there. Now, I will say, um, in the last couple of years, he has put gigs on, like he's had gigs on his albums. Um, gigs is obviously a big UK rapper. Um, you know, he's he does some grime a little bit, but more of his he's more on the trap drill side. Um, you know, but then you got Stormzy who just came out and who's going on a world tour, hitting pretty much every continent on the planet um, and kind of pushing that sound. But I, I look at it as you don't need to have the patois in there. You don't need to have all yeah. of those epitaphs in there to, to try to make it sound like or pay homage to that group. I think it kind of um, makes a mockery, right? Like if someone yeah. spoke in an accent, like an Asian accent, and you were trying to talk in that same accent, that's right. kind of disrespectful and and mocking you know what i'm saying right and luckily um, he has connects to people out there but that, that doesn't mean like you get to do it like but yeah, i don't you care don't, if gigs is your you best talk friend. and you don't sing like that so right don't. that's you're from toronto fam like you're not you're not from the uk so there's no reason to try to put on a uh a, a uk sounding voice or or try to sound like you're you're from that region and then also just using all of their lingo you know ting and all of that come on man like we we don't need that um, at least I don't. No, not, it sounds not from silly your, to me, man. Like, yeah, it sounds corny to me. Like, I don't need you to do all of that. And you know, people feel it; they do whatever. But he always gets a pass. But as soon as a white person does it, then it, that's considered racist. How is it not any different? Um, yeah, and that, that's what I mean. It's kind of the picking up on the accent, the the mockery type thing of it is. If a white person did it, it definitely would be racist. If if a white reggae artist was Collie Buds, 
<laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, if he was That's out there perfect d- example. talking in a Jamaican accent all the time, like, pe- people wouldn't fuck with that. Yeah, real talk. And and actually, this recently just ha- happened with uh, Tom Hanks' son. Um, they were at the Global, at the Golden Globes, and he was on the red carpet, and he started speaking as if he was from the UK and using <laughs> Ting and all of that. He was talking just like that. Um, this is Tom Hanks' son, who's who's been on TV. He plays on, I think he's on Power. Um, he does like a bunch of other, you know, smaller things. He plays like a hood white dude, actually, in most of his roles. Um, but it, it, he just was on there. If you have not seen that clip, go. It's everywhere. Just put in Tom Hanks' son, red carpet, and you'll find it. Um, he did the same exact thing. And I know Twitter was flaming his ass. Like, they were going in. Like, I've seen a bunch of p- people on Twitter talking about it. But then... Well, what's the difference of Drake doing it? Is it because he's yeah. he's black? Because he's partly black? Does that does that give him a pass? I feel like it doesn't, and I think it makes him corny when he puts it on a song. I think that shit sounds stupid. Um, but people thought it was hot. He's still getting streams. Doesn't matter. He's going to get those streams regardless of what what I say or what you say. There's going to be people who support it all day, and it's not going to change up. And he could have um, sang in his own shit. Yeah, to that same beat, and nobody would have ever had a problem. Exactly. That's just how I look at it. Um, and and that's the appropriation side of it. I mean, again, if we were to see Eminem per se start taking every single lingo and word that we do and put it on a rap song and becoming very popular for it, then we're going to give Eminem a lot of flack for it, which is already happening now. I mean, let's be for real. Most black people don't actually fuck with Eminem lyrically. I, I know quite a bit that do, but they don't fuck with him like that. He doesn't, you know, I, I don't think he makes the greatest songs, but that's me. No, but I think as, technically as a rapper in terms of like rhyming schemes. Yeah. He's, he's up there. Of course. He's a, he, he's I think he's one level. of the most clever rhymers, you know, definitely of rhyming words ever and, and building schemes. Absolutely. He's, he's one of the best like him, him and Elzai to me are like the, the most ridiculous when it comes to building schemes. Yeah. Um, and if, if you guys haven't listened to the Andre 3000 podcast with Rick Rubin, check that out he's talking about kind of schemes and how him and eminem would break down old um hieroglyphics records and lyrics yep those dudes used to put together some shit too um but what i'm saying from there is like again uh eminem is from detroit but imagine him taking the going to another region like say new york and he tries to sound like a New York hood rapper, like a right, black like a dude. Wu-Tang. A Wu-Tang. Like a Griselda. Take, yeah, or a Griselda, exactly. Taking their type of flow, rhyme scheme, and him doing that, how would that make him look? And what would that do to him? They would shut that shit down. They would be clowning the hell out of him, blah, blah, blah. But Drake always gets the pass. Um, not from me, but a lot of people I know who are Drake fans, they love him, so they give him that pass. I don't give him that pass. They just don't know that they're being sold, man. He's a pop art artist packaged and sold to the general public. Yeah. I mean, for them and for me, I'm not the biggest Drake hater. I actually was a huge Drake fan. I've been watching his career a long time. Um, But I have also seen where he exploits others and their sounds. I feel like he gets closer to people and he's already had a lot of people say that he, he has ghostwriters, right? So he goes and he finds these artists or he listens to artists from other regions. He hears their sound and then he's going to have somebody create it or write it for him. (laughs) They write it for him to sound like that. And he pushes that sound and he brings it to the forefront. While that does help 
the forefront of that type of sound that makes more people want to go find it and it helps broaden those people's things. I think he could do that on his own without having to take different verbiages and lingos and things like that. Or how about you put them on the song and you feature on the song or something? Um, I don't see that very often. So I don't feel like he's really helping them in any sense. Like people say he's helping. I don't see him helping um, because of that. Um, that's just my standpoint. I know Polly knows he feels like he's a pop artist. Yeah, to me, he's like, (laughs) to me, I mean, it's no different than talking about Ariana Grande spending too much time tanning, trying to make herself look darker. Like, you know what I mean? And it's it's not her fault. That's just how the label makes her leave the house every day and show up to photo shoots, right? She has no say in the matter. Right. So I just kind of see it the same way as he's he's a product that's created by that industry. And so I, I give him the same credibility as I would to any of those other artists. Uh, he's a great performer. Uh, th- there's a great team putting together songs for him that seem to chart really well on the pop yeah. charts. But can I say he's more talented than anybody in any aspect of anything? No, I can't. I can't say he's a better rapper than anybody. I can't say he's a better singer than anybody. can't say he's a better performer or dancer than anybody else out there. Like I could put people above him in each of those categories. Exactly. And I, I do want to apologize to Elliot Wilson. I knew his last name. I just couldn't get off the top of my head. Um, Elliot Wilson is the one who interviewed him and he actually, it, it was a pretty good interview. Um, it was very insightful um, into a lot of things. And, um, you know, I, like I said, for me, I, I was just a big Drake fan, especially early on in his career. When I first heard him, I thought he was going to be kind of like hip hop savior because he was actually rapping at the time. And then he went a different route. He made he went and took the bag. So he's doing whatever it takes to get there. But, um, you know, it, it just sucks that I have a guy who, uh, who can actually rap, at least from what I heard back in the day. I don't know if he had the Ghostwriters Bay even back then, but back in the day, he, he could definitely rap his ass off. And, um, you know, now I've, I see a lot of exploitation. You know, he used to give a lot of props to like Big uh, Little Brother and a, and a bunch of people that he did look up to in the music game. I feel like he's gotten away from that. So that's appropriating it enough for white cultures to consume the music and feel okay to feel like they can do the same things. Um, because he is putting it more on the pop level. Um, we're in an age now where we see a lot of, um, especially for me being a black man, I see a lot of the things that I grew up with and things like that becoming more culturally acceptable on TV and everything else from when, the, and that's what we wanted, but it's being more so exploited, not more so as an actual acceptance. I feel like that's how most of the music industry is and a lot of just the world in general is. And we see that across the board. Um, so even on the retrospect that we're going to step into, because um, we're going to step into somewhat on that same pivot that has to do with musically. And we, I want to talk about uh, Green Velvet. Yeah. Um, a lot of people aren't going to know who this is. So we're going to open a lot of minds. Definitely listening in, in what we're seeing here because we, we definitely know what's up. But um, even pivoting into the world of, of dance music. Dance music is something that has recently come into light as huge. We've been hearing it all our lives, things like that. Um, but some people mess with it, some with it don't. Dance music, again, to me, is an encompassing of just things that are up-tempo, dancier, things like that. We go from the disco, things like that, um, in that time frame, 
that's what you would call dance music. Now today we have electronic dance music, which is EDM, of course. Um, okay, so stuff not uh, stuff made with computers, synthesized drums, uh, as opposed to like dance music with a live band necessarily. Right, either live band or just analog, you know, recordings, whatever it may be. Um, in, in today's day and age, uh, especially in the black community, uh, house music, for example is thrown into the category of EDM. And this is why we're jumping into this. Yeah. Is because um, Green Velvet recently had uh, took Twitter and the dance music world by storm with his thoughts on what he feels is electronic dance music and why house music, techno music is not electronic dance music. And I know Paulie and me feel him a thousand percent. Yeah. So, yeah, just a, a quick history lesson, um, you know, uh, American dance music and, and we're not talking pop music. We'll talk about underground dance music, EDM music, house music, techno music and just a quick history lesson on it uh, because it becomes relevant with who's who's speaking on the subject. But it comes from basically the gay black culture in the post disco era uh, of in the Midwest, primarily Chicago, where house music started. Um, and Detroit where techno music started and they both kind of started at around the same time, a little bit different tempos, right? It was very similar, but it started pretty much in the gay clubs. It's actually named house music cause it, the, the gay club was called the warehouse, right? Where they had first started it. And one of the early pioneers of the Chicago house scene was, um, green velvet, Back then, he was known as Kashmir. He, his name is Curtis Allen Jones. Yep. And basically, um, kind of a, more on the experimental side of techno and house music. For uh, sure. He goes by Green Velvet. You could definitely see he's influenced by like Kraftwerk and Prince in his sound. And Green Velvet, basically, you know, one of the pioneers, it, he wrote The Percolator which is a popular dance song. Even most people that hate house and techno know what the percolator is. This is for the percolator. (laughs) If you don't know, if you've never heard that, I've never heard that song. You're probably whack, but you've never left the house. Right. Literally that is a (laughs) uh, pretty, pretty big hit and definitely a Midwest classic. Like there's Mm -hmm. people go crazy hearing that track. So green velvet tweeted out uh, one day and he said, was EDM formed by people who didn't want to acknowledge the originators of house and techno, just like what happened to rock and roll inquiring minds want to know, don't say house and techno are EDM. They were before EDM. Do your research and discover the first time the term EDM was used. So EDM is obviously the term EDM is obviously the marketing term before that they were trying to use electronica um, back when kind of fat boy slim, the chemical brothers almost reached the mainstream. Yeah. They have prodigy. Prodigy was around that time as well. Yeah. They're kind of trying to push it as electronica. Uh, I do believe all those names I named, like all had hits that charted. On Absolutely. The, Big, on the especially Fat Boy Slim, mm-hmm. especially him out of there. And then you got like Daft Punk who came, Daft Punk who came right. into the scene in the nineties, stuff like that. Yeah. Right. And then in, I don't know, probably the early 2000s, 2004, 2005, they really started using this term EDM. So what Green Velvet is basically saying is kind of like how rock and roll became a marketing term to market Elvis Presley and the other 
white musicians of that time, as opposed to, you know, the rhythm and blues music, which they were stealing the traditional rhythm and blues music. They flipped it, they flipped it and named it rock and roll. And then even further, once Jimi Hendrix is using the electric guitar, they come out with heavy metal. Right. To kind of, you know, steal away from what the black musicians doing. Right. With electric and because guitars. it's not as marketable with black musicianships in that in that sense, uh, that's where it started to change. And even in today's game, just as Green Velvet was talking about, that's exactly what it was. It's it was still the same thing. <laughs> um, th- there's all kinds of different forms of EDM or or just dance music in general, mm-hmm. but EDM to me reminds me of everything that's newer, which is like the trap. Uh, or, you know, the stuff with the wobbles in there, they call it dubstep, which is again, appropriated dubstep is appropriated from dub plates and reggae. Um, that's where it originally started from rhythms. Yeah. Rhythms, all that stuff is, is all Jamaican stuff. Um, and then was really brought to LA from with 12th planet. Um, and we can go on and on without with all that. But again, it's appropriated from black music. Right. And 12th but, Planet is black as well. Yeah. 12th Planet is black. And uh, he helped basically, he went over to the UK in shorts. I'll tell you, he went to the UK, was doing parties out there, playing dub plates and using dubstep. Dubstep was very big in the UK at the time. He came back and brought those parties with the people that he knew out there to LA. And that's where we get the dubstep scene now. Um, there of course were other players that helped make that pop, but he was one of the main DJs out there. Anyways, again, it's still an appropriation of something that black people made from other parts of the planet and then made it big somewhere else and then came and brought it to the U S and then it was remarketed and rebranded because 12th planet is, is not the biggest EDM artist when it comes to dubstep or anything else by far. Um, right some of the biggest ones in the world are, are white guys um, that just took the sound, made it what they wanted to, and then was able to become successful for it. And while I don't hate that, I just hate that there is no, again, uh, there is no homage paying to these people who really did all of that and being able to not only put those people on or at least put people onto those other people who made these things pop. Um, Green Velvet will tell you the same when he's talking about his, his influences with Frankie Knuckles um, being pretty much one of the, the very first house pioneers. Um, yeah. Of course he's black. Um, all the names that are out there, Todd Terry, everybody like that. Carl one Craig. of the biggest, Carl Craig, the biggest house DJ in the world to me or house and techno DJ in the world, Carl Cox, who's been at the yeah. top for the longest. He's been on top for at least 20 years in my opinion. Um, that guy they don't get the credit that they deserve. It's different when you have a white artist, they get those, that same credit. And then you put up the black artist who has just probably has more of a catalog, more hits, more involvement, all of the above. They're kind of under the radar or never given that shine. Yeah. Um, And I think there's a lot of confusion in green velvets message too, because EDM stands for electronic dance music, which I mean, it technically that's what it is like in a broad defining term, but um, Green Velvet specifically talking about the term EDM in all capital letters, you know, EDM, whenever you see those letters together as a marketing term, and it kind of dilutes the product behind the branding as well. You know what I mean? There's cause the house and techno are very different than dubstep. Right. 
And then that's, I think that's the hard part of how you brand it because again, it's like you can dance to that stuff, but headbanging is not dancing. <laughs> right. But the EDM, um, basically the terminology uh, was basically used to market these, these major festivals, I think. And right. these are marketed by white, you know, two white people, white college kids primarily. Right. And they don't use the terms house and techno, which is what it all stems from. And then in the process, the people that created house and techno get no respect and no love. And, and, um, yeah, I think that's where, I think that's where green velvet's beef comes in. Yeah. Just when he's it, saying it's just like rock and roll, it's just how, you know, they, they change the name to sell it to white people. Right. It's provided by white people. Right. Like right. you think of EDM, you're thinking of some white dude, Skrillex or Diplo or. Yeah. Or whoever. Yeah, exactly. And it's very few far in between um, where, again, black artists kind of get their, their shine a little bit. There, There's times in there where they're getting it. And now, of course, we're seeing it more. But at the end of the day, like, even for me, myself, for example, and if you've listened to the show over the last season and such and listened to my mixes, I have influences of it all. I love house music. Um but my white counterparts in the house music industry are far more opportune to, to get that opening, um, whether it be getting a quicker placement or any of those things than a black artist. And that's just the truth. Um, we see it all the time. Some of my favorite DJs and producers are white and then some of them are black, but I can definitely guarantee you that the black artist has a harder time of getting that, that push that they, that they deserve. Um, other than somebody else who's on a label or anything like that. Um, but the, but the white artist has a little bit more time, has a little bit more success when it comes to that. Um, it's, you know, it's hard for me to say just because again, I, I have a lot of friends of all different varieties, as you know, Paul, you guys listening, Paul is white. So (laughs) this is like my best friend y'all. So he understands for sure. But at the same time, we do look at okay, when, when is it becoming appropriation and when is it actually becoming, um, you know, something, something else because, and when is it, do they, they don't want to call it house because they don't want to talk about where house music came from. Right. Exactly. Um, we just want to see the credit where credit's due. Even same with Drake's situation. If he's going to, if he's going to take Afrobeat and things like that, um, you got to show love to all those different sounds. Um, and everything that's out there. I sent you a track earlier today, Paulie. I don't know if you got mm-hmm. to listen to that one, that, uh, that deep house African sound. Like I've never even heard of it. Uh, Quito. I never even heard of it. No, and that I shit's dope. Listen to it. Yeah. That shit's dope. Um, but I would never, I can never tell you an artist, but if I'm going to, if I'm going to make that sound, I'm definitely not going to, you know, not give the person's credit and say, Oh, I was inspired by such and such, or, you know, making these types of songs. Um, you know, I, I don't see that. I don't see that same humble stuff from now nowadays, you know? Um, and it's, it's, it's just sad. So we want to see more of where does, where does the artist come to fit in and when does things get separated and should get separated? Like I feel like house music is its own. Yes, it is a form of electronic, electronic dance music because it's more electronically done nowadays, but that stuff has been around forever. I mean, it's literally a yeah. flip from disco it's pretty much new remix disco. But again, like most people couldn't tell you that house music even started from, from the communities in 
Chicago and the gay communities, like especially all the black, all my black friends that never listen to house. They're like, Oh, I can't stand house music. I'm like, yeah, that's because you've been taught to not stand it. Yeah. But the people in the Midwest, the black folks in the Midwest love house music. When you're talking to anybody who's in like Chicago, Detroit, any, anywhere over there, that, that kind of area, they love house music. I mean, Kanye um, was dropping the DJ Kashmir uh, track in the Sunday service in the middle of the Sunday right, service. Right. Exactly. Um, and you'll hear a lot of house influences and in a lot of people's, especially rappers and things like that. Like you said, Kanye, um, I know chance, chance of rappers done some, yep. some stuff like that. Um, it, definitely in the Chicago sound, you know, or even juke, like you'll hear, hear juke. Um, juke is, is very big in Chicago. Um, Juke yeah. is started in Chicago as well. It's like fast tempo, super fast tempo stuff. But once Juke starts getting in, starts getting popping, then you'll kind of see it happening too. And that's even just like a man. There's another one that just came across man, my mind. Oh, oh, you were just talking about how UK drill be stealing from Chicago too. It's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, for real. Jackins from Chicago, but it traveled from Chicago. It's the same. It's the same type of shit. Another one I just thought of too, and I didn't even think about this was um was Go Go. Oh, from yeah, go, from go. Chicago and then Jersey Club, like um, I think Jersey go, Club go, is go go music. Doesn't go go have a a DC kind of influence as yeah, well? Yeah, it's from the it's from the DMV area, based out of DC. They have different kinds, of course. They have Baltimore go go and then DC go go, but it's still go go music. And that 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 beat was set by the go go clubs in DC, yeah. which are all all came from the black clubs, and then now. It's called Jersey Club music. They take the same thing and then call it Jersey Club. And I hate that. I'm like, yo, stop calling it Jersey Club because it's not Jersey Club. It is literally the same stuff of Go-Go. Um, and they took it from from D.C. It's the same thing. Um, but somebody who's a very famous Jersey Club DJ who's trash is is Pauly D. Um, and you're definitely the real Pauly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no relation. Yeah, no relation. Uh, that Polly probably takes D. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's this is he, he took that and he's traveling the world and he's playing that stuff. And they say, oh, that's Jersey stuff. No, that's not Jersey stuff. You're a white greasy dude from Jersey <laughs> who happened to get go go music and then now they call it Jersey Club. It's the same shit. Like that's appropriation to me because you can sell Jersey Club, you can't sell go go because go go is in the black the black clubs. You won't hear it in where mostly people of non-color listening and you won't hear that in DC anywhere. You won't hear those in, in, in their clubs out there. But if you go to a black club in DC, you will hear go-go for sure. And um, yeah, it's the same thing. It's, it's culturally, it was culturally taken from that area and expanded to somewhere else, rebranded and renamed. So it's consumable by people of non-color. Um, that's exactly what we get musically and that's what we get across the, the globe. And the only reason why we're talking about this stuff is because it's happening more and more. Um, and it, it's brought up socially and, uh, Polly is a first generation American. Uh, his parents yeah. are, are from a different country altogether. So he can understand because he comes to, when his parents probably came to America, there's a lot of places that try to that are newer or things like that, that don't really pay homage to what it was, you know, when you go get your, your type of food or anything like that and you go somewhere, Polly, I'm sure it's different too. Yeah. It's being appropriated. Um, just like the burritos and tacos from, from Mexico are being appropriated by Americans. Cause definitely Taco Bell isn't real tacos. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. So, I mean, it's, it's really happening. It's always happened across yeah. everywhere. So. 
And Panda Express really ain't Chinese food. <laughs> Panda Express is not any, I wouldn't even call that food, bro. Sometimes <laughs> I, I wonder what that is. Because uh, even my, my, my hood Chinese spot blows them out the fucking water, like by millions. And I don't even know if that's Chinese food. Um Cause it's a Mexican dude who ends up answering my phone every time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, bro. Um, <clears throat> but then, yeah, it's, it, it's just something that we see. And so green velvet was just trying to make a point and there was a lot of backlash going back and forth. Like a lot of people chimed in on it and things like that. A lot of people t- talking about the like snob attitude of house and techno culture. Yeah. They called them snobbish and stuff like that. But this dude um, been there, like this right. dude's from Chicago He's right. been making music since the eighties, been making techno and house music since the eighties has made, exactly. you know, international hits that are recognizable by most of the general public that's ever been in a club. Um, I didn't know he got his name from his ex-girlfriend's dad. That's how he got green. That's how he got vel- green velvet. Oh really? I didn't know that. Shit yeah. Either. Um, because he, they said that, um, you know, he, he's got the flamboyancy a little bit, but that's, that's what his dad was uh, his ex's dad called him called him velvet <laughs> so that's where he kind of got that from um just kind of <laughs> due to his styles during it was during the 80s you know uh late 80s things like that so of course neon hair flamboyancy stuff like that um he was inspired by david bowie and sly the family stone who wore wild ass outfits and stuff like yeah. that so he ended up getting that so that's that's kind of cool that's a, that's a cool story but again that's um yeah, and the name DJ Kajmir comes from his initials, C-A-J. Yeah. Yep. So. And that dude's been around for forever. So you could call him a snob all he wants, but literally he helped start what the genre is. He's and, one of the and people that helped shape it. Yeah, and he's one of the people that it's been appropriated from. Correct. And he's not necessarily asking for respect on his own name. He he makes it by on his own merit of his name. You know, I've never heard anyone say anything bad about the guy. Right. He seems a little bit out there, but it, he seems like a cool dude. He's been doing it for years and um, he has every right to speak about it because it was appropriated from the culture that he helped build and get to the level where it's at right now. And basically the white man began paid off all of that. Right. Like Kanye said. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and and no disrespect. Like, you know, I, I mentioned Diplo, Skrillex earlier. No disrespect. Those guys are amazing, talented musical for producers. Sure. We are consumers of their music for sure. Yes. Um, not saying that it, it's always been a bad thing, but at the same time, like they're not, they're not the ones specifically appropriating the culture. It's the, it's the branding and the people that are making the money off of the branding, right. selling you the festivals, selling you the, the labels or selling you the pop music with electronic elements to it. Yeah. Cause even like you said, like a Skrillex and a, and a you know, Skrillex to me kind of like reimagine, reshape the game. Um, yeah, especially with his sound design, things like that. And that's when that's not even appropriation. It was like, he took what he heard as inspiration, but made it something totally different. I'm good with that. I'm talking about yes. straight up swag jacking a hundred percent. Straight like, amazing. I think he won like six Grammys or some shit like, yeah, for, especially for electronic producer. That's unheard of. Right. And Diplo's up there too. I love Diplo and Diplo actually does pay homage to those other cultures and things like that. He just started his house music label and some of the people that he has on there, Born Dirty, for example. Uh, Walker um, and Royce with Vanessa. Walker and Royce, all these people, but even like Born Dirty, he's from, um, I believe he's from South America. 
Um, yeah, I think Paris. He's from. Paris. Or, or is he from Paris? Oh, so yeah. look, I'm way off. Um, but he, but they, I hear like a Spanish, like Spanish. They, they, they use a lot of that kind of stuff, and they pay homage to a lot of the Spanish and, and their influence to to house music. Like they actually influence house music as well because you'll hear some of the patterns and things and it sounds very afro afro latin because they're all pretty much very similar and diplo is one of the hardest working people in the music industry right for sure like he's but, out but per- he also works he also works with a lot of black artists yes. to try to get them into those spans of what they call the edm world where we don't normally get that break um because of, of the stigma that it created. I mean, it's just the stigma that's there. Um, it, it was kind of the thing, like, and even then, just even now, like, like I said, all my, a lot of my black friends don't listen to house music and that's fine, but um, they don't know that this is something that we created and was hijacked from us. And, and right. then, then held into a bigger light. Cause of course the nineties came around and when house really started going into it, those were more of just like some of the, the biggest songs during the time, but they still had black artists at least. I at least respect you remember LaBouche, <laughs> you know, like people like that, you know, That'd Kathy my Dennis. Lover. Is that what LaBouche Yeah, was? yeah, Okay. But they had a black girl who was the, the main singer on that, you know, she was the yep. lead singer. Um, they had Kathy Dennis, uh, CC Peniston. At least those were like black women in rocking it. They were doing their shit. Like that was their shit. Um, Robin S, you know, they were at least were killing the game and that was house music. Uh, and then it just kind of got away from us. So it was one of those things that was rebranded. It was taken and it was like, oh, well, this is, and, and even my friends, my black friends, they'll say, uh, this is white people music. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you have no idea that it's not. I mean, I get what it sounds like because there's so many factions of house, you know, or whatever, but that's not what it truly is. There's a lot of great music out there. You just got to be able to look for it, listen to it, digest it. Um, so I, I've, if it just sucks to, to actually even hear people say that, especially people of color who come to me and say, well, this is white people music when it really isn't um, not even close. And on the flip side of that, there's another artist. Cause we were just talking about green velvet and the, the splash that he made. There was another artist that literally just made a splash um, over the last couple months, uh, and this is actually an MC that we respect. Yeah, we've even um, talked about her before on the show. I think we had a song yeah, we've of the had week her a couple song of the week. Yeah, and um, um, her name is a uh, no name. She goes by no name, and she's from Chicago. <laughs> yeah, coincidentally, <laughs> coincidentally, yeah, coincidentally, she's from uh, Chicago as well. And she's literally one of the best young MCs. Not not even yeah. the fact that she's a female. It, it she's literally one of the best MCs today. And she's been creating a lot of splashes and storms over Twitter for sure um, with her comments, you know, stating that she doesn't want to dance for the people in a sense or dance for the man kind of thing. Uh, because when she goes to her shows or when she performs her shows, she has a predominantly white crowds. And if you've ever listened to her music, she's very pro black. Um, her mother and, you know, growing up in Chicago, her mother, um, you know, used to work for a library, things like that. So she's very big into reading, very deep into reading. Um, they owned a bookstore. Then her, her parents opened up an actual bookstore. It was the first Afrocentric bookstore in Chicago, like in the 70s or something like that. Right. And uh, so her parents are very basically like activists in a sense, you know. And um, 
So she's very pro-black. And so she recently came out back in November saying that she doesn't want to do these shows anymore. She doesn't, she literally has said she doesn't want to do music anymore. Yeah. She's being in front of all these white crowds when she goes to a show and she's basically calling black people out saying that they're not supporting her shows. Um, yeah. And, um, to her exact tweet was, I have two shows on the books. Then after that, I'm chilling on making music. If y'all don't want to leave the crib, I feel it. I don't want to dance on a stage for white people. And then she also posted like a picture of like a black devil and a white devil right, right. after that. And so the two shows though are Coachella. She performing both weeks at Coachella performing for white people. Right. Like trying to get the money. And I mean, the thing about No Name is um, her sound is kind of, uh, I don't know, it's like a more artsier kind of sound. Like, uh, Right. Yeah. <laughs> I seen one comment, one comment about it said, this chick performed on NPR. Like what kind of audience does she expect other than white people to be in the crowd? And I mean, <laughs> she got a point. She does the <laughs> Whoever that person tours. is has a point. <laughs> she does. She, you know, she toured all the college cities. And right. I, I mean, I understand maybe if she has anxieties of just performing, but if that's the case, then say that that's the case. Um, who is it? Right. Summer Walker. Summer Walker recently has been like that. She's canceled some shows. Yeah. yeah and like she, that. she straight said that she just has anxiety performing in people, she, performing in front of people. She doesn't even want to do music videos and, and stuff like that. She just wants to record music and more power to her if that is the case. But when you're putting yourself out there and you're going and doing a show in fucking Madison, Wisconsin, like you got to expect that there's just going to be white people there. So. Right. You know, or you even go, when you come to Colorado, if you come to Colorado, you're going to go to Denver. Um, that's going to be the same thing. And it's, and here's my thing with her. Obviously I I don't know what crowd she's going for then because she needs, if she wants that kind of, if she wants that kind of support, then she needs to make that kind of music. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what you want me to do. I know if, if you're going to say a bunch of black people are going to show up at one show, if somebody said, uh, I'm going to go to a no name show or a little baby or little baby or the baby show, where do you think the most black people are going to be at? The baby, for sure. Yeah. Bar none, stuff like that. They See, make the music that they want to hear, that black people want to hear. It sounds it sounds bad in a sense. Like I, I wanted I want to support my my black sister who is rapping about some really dope shit. But at least for again, a lot of my friends who are black, they are going to go to a show to go turn up. She doesn't make turn up music. No, so like, if they're going to go to a show, they're going to go there to turn up. If they want to kind of sit there. I remember somebody said a tweet like this, like if I kind of want to go to like a, a, a speakeasy or a I feel like I'm going to go to a museum, <laughs> like this is the kind of music I'm going to listen to. Um, like poetry slam kind of music. Yeah. There you go. Poetry slam. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like that's a different vibe than what she's going for and the type of people she's going to bring in. So of course the people that comes in, are going to be white people because they consume that shit. It's intellectual. Not saying that black people aren't intellectual, but people pick and choose why they go to shows. It's hipster music. Like right at its root. You know what I mean? It's going to be a bunch of hipsters at the no name show, a bunch of woke white people, you know, think that think they're woke or whatever. Right. But Either way, these are people that are supporting her, black or white, whoever's it's in that crowd. It's getting in the bag. That's whoever's what I in understand. that crowd is supporting you. And it's like, just tour Atlanta or, you know, whatever. But she can't sell 
as many tickets as Future can in Atlanta. Correct. Exactly. You know what I mean, like she's exactly. pulling herself. That's a that's a great way to even put it. She's not gonna she's not gonna sell all these tickets for for something like that. And she because, can't open for anybody like that. Right. Because she doesn't make that kind of music. She doesn't, she's not connecting with that type of people. So I have a hard time understanding what she wants when, yeah. when, you know, again, the, the black community isn't supporting that a thousand percent where it's going to be a whole blackout crowd. Like even at some of the most blackest shows, like for some of the most pro black artists that I've ever seen, there's still a lot of white people point in point blank example. When I seen black star, yeah, the name is Black Star, and it's Yasin Bey and Talib Kweli. They're probably the most pro-black people out there. <laughs> yeah, man. And you're still going to see a lot of white people. Doesn't matter where you go. Public Enemy probably was all white people in their crowds. Exactly. And for the fact of and and I get where she's coming from. So this is also one of her t- tweets. Me consistently creating content that is primarily consumed by a white audience who would rather shit on me than challenge their liber- uh, liberalism because somehow liking Lizzo's music absolves them from racial tendencies. Um, <laughs> while she's not wrong, then you need to exploit it to your best abilities. <laughs> like I, I don't again, I don't know what you're going for. White people will make you famous. White people will make you rich. Um, I know if you're banking on a whole bunch of black people to make you feel successful, then good fucking luck. I mean, that's just being real. Um, there, there's not very many of those who are going to sit there and ride for it. It's just like even for her, like uh, putting it to Jay-Z, she doesn't make that kind of music. Jay-Z is one of the best highly consumed artists. Definitely a lot of black people go to his shows, things like that, but she doesn't make that. She's not spitting about crack rocks. She's not spitting about that kind of stuff. She's got a double, she's got basically a double-edged sword because she's a woman and she's a black woman. They make that even harder. She has it even harder than anybody else. So, but but relying to make sure that, you know, you're going to see a lot more black people, then you need to start getting out there and marketing to those black people and maybe having some, you're going to have some white friends who might put them onto that. That's fine. But the type of music that she makes doesn't necessarily want me to, to, to go to a show and, and I'm not going to be hyped there. That's not going to be the hype. Like all my friends who go to shows, me and you, me and Polly go to a lot of shows. We probably hit like 20 something shows plus a year. We go to a lot of shows Yep. and we go to a lot of different shows. And I can tell you the vibes are different based on what you're going for. Um, all the artists that we've kind of talked about, except for Drake, I've never been to a Drake concert, but um, Green Velvet, We've been to a Green Velvet. Green Velvet's different. Um, I've seen you know no name. You, I've seen no name at Electric Forest, which is a, a music festival with ninety nine percent white people. Ninety nine percent white people. <laughs> <laughs> she was she was headlined by Bass Nectar and this uh, String Cheese incident. Like, yeah, that's you've never heard of those people. The, yeah, that's as white as you can get. <laughs> like, you, you, you're you asking for it, but then be upset that you're doing it. Like, that makes zero sense. Yeah, um, and even if you're upset that you don't have the crowd that you want to show up at your shows, don't shit on the people that, that did pay 30 bucks to see your stupid ass. Yep. To pay the money, not only to pay the money, but then support your music. You and to, be cheer, this far and to fucking cheer for you while you're there. To be yeah. happy, to be happy to see you perform live in front of them. Exactly. 
Why and and you should be happy that somebody is actually consuming your music and actually enjoys your music because there's a lot of people who put out music that don't get anyone to show up at a show. I know personally as a, doing music myself and doing music with a great producer like my cousin, Booney Mayfield, Boondock. The dude is a great musician and we didn't even get people to buy our album. You're getting people to consume your album. You're getting people to be able to get on there and listen to those songs, stream your songs and things like that, regardless of their color. If it connects to them in some way, you should be happy. That's what an artist is happy about. And maybe it'll educate these white people. Maybe it'll educate people that listen to your music that maybe didn't grow up under the same atmosphere or circumstances to understand the situation that, that you've been put in, in life growing up in Chicago. Exactly. So educate them. Um, not everybody's your friend. There are people out there who will step up to the plate to be able to help you and be able to help the cause and all of that good stuff. Not everybody's there, but some people are there to exploit it. But honestly, excuse me, if I'm in her position, I'm exploiting that to my biggest benefit. If I, if I have a bunch of white people who are there at my show, then I'm going to tell them how much that definitely the black community needs their assistance. You know, whatever it is, you, you have that platform that a lot of people don't have to be able to spit a message. And regardless of who's at your show, um, they're obviously consuming it. And you might be able to use that for good instead of taking a shot at, the, at your own people and then being upset at the fact that you don't have those people there. So you talk shit about them and then you uh, offend them in that sense, because now you ain't definitely gonna have no black people come because you kind of offended them. Like, okay, well, the fans who have been here and have gone to your shows, what about us? Just because there's not as many of us there. That's why we're called a minority. It's not like there's a million of us. There's 13% of the entire fucking population is black. Are you expecting them to come sell out every single one of your shows? That's not going to yeah, happen. And plus, you have a false ticket, expectation. With, with ticket prices, bro, it's poor people ain't showing up from either race at your shows. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's probably what I heard the most on there. Um, you know, even on Twitter, on some of the comments and things like that. It's like, you know, your tickets, is depending on where you're doing it at, maybe they don't have the money to go. Yeah. I think that's a poor excuse for, for, for at least for me, because you can hopefully plan plan that stuff out to be able to save for or do whatever. But you never know when $30 could be that last person, that, that person's last $30. But yeah. You know? I mean, I'm just saying if you go into one show, you know, you can only afford to go out once a year to a concert. Right. They're not going to pick that. They ain't going to no name. I don't give a fuck <laughs> what you're into. Like, right. <laughs> you're not doing that. Exactly. And you just can't be, you just can't be mad at, at, at the people like that too. Um, so it's almost like a re- reverse appropriation in this sense. And why we brought this example up is because this is like the reverse of it, where you don't, you, you don't want white people to come to your shows and you don't want people to consume your music, but then get mad at the people of color who don't actually be able to come, you know, come to the shows and things like that. Um, I mean, that's the reverse of the business. I'm and the again, player. I think also the reverse of it too is like, what if Post Malone came out and said he didn't want to see any black people listening to his music? Right. Like, come Th- on. That would definitely be the <laughs> the end of his career. Uh, right. There'd be so much commotion going on and things like that. Um, it, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work the reverse way. Like we, we can't have it one way and then have it another. Like it does, it just doesn't work that way. Um, Lauren Hill did that and white people still go to her concert and you know what? She doesn't care because she still got the money. I wouldn't seen Lauren Hill two years ago during the summer at Red Rocks. And guess what? 
I tried to steal up a seat because there was, I was there at the beginning of the show to support my friends as well, the reminders. And I'm there early with my wife. I'm there hella early. We're at the, got great seats. And literally when Lauren Hill comes on, I got three white people who kicked me out of my seat because that was on their ticket. And we had been there literally the entire show and we're an hour into Lauren Hill's set and I get kicked out of my seat by three white people and guaranteed I was pissed. We almost got kicked out that motherfucker because at the end of the day, she don't even like white people. She's come out and said it. Yeah. <laughs> She's even come out and said it, but who's still there buying the tickets who paid up to get that seat. That person did. I had no right of sitting there because they paid up for the seat, but I also paid to support her as well. And I want to see a good show. And especially when I've been there the whole entire damn show, I didn't seen three, four acts prior to her. Um, and been in that seat. So, but it, also, it, granted, she also her career was kind of killed off. She has not dropped another studio album. No, since that ended her education career. of Lauren Hill. Yeah, she could that's still pretty much ended stuff. Her. She could sell tickets, but I mean, in terms of being a musician, that killed her career for sure. And even then, there's still a lot of white people there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't even matter. And she's actually come out and say that. I think uh, Erica Badu is one of the shows I've seen the most black people in. Um, but no name is not on that level. And then, and that's another thing. Like that takes years of time to build up that, that clientele of people. She just kind of blew up in the last two years. And most people don't know who they are. I mean, if you go no. talk, you know, to your black friends and ask them about no name, her literally, her literal name is no name. Yeah. Like <laughs> how many of them are going to know if you ask 10 people that, you know, how many of them would have ever heard Probably of her? zero. Okay. So probably zero. I mean, unless they hang out with you or I like on a regular basis. Right. <laughs> unless they're into lyricism, like, and even then I, there are so many, I have so many like hip hop, dead head hip hop homies that have never heard of her at all. Right. And they try to find new artists and stuff like that. I put people on consistently and yeah, they're not going to know. And that's the thing. Again, she hasn't, she hasn't built herself up long enough to even be talking in that fashion. She, she ain't even a top five woman in the, in the game, like name recognition wise. So correct. Shit. My name might not even be top 10 because <laughs> a lot of these girls nowadays have, have hits way on her that, that people are feeling way on her. Like the Megan, the stallions, cash doll, um, yep. sweetie, Cardi B. Cardi B, uh, Nicki Minaj, like that's six right there. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's not even including Rhapsody, you know, Missy Elliott, Lizzo, like she's still not even in that realm yet. So for her to be as, um, rash with what she said, that's, I guess she doesn't want a career. I mean, she's even kind of said that she doesn't really care if she makes music, but, um, then don't make it, you know? Don't um, be stupid. Don't, if you, you can't fight racism by being racist, like right. at the end of the day, it, your cause is to put more awareness to the struggle of your people. Like don't, don't be hating on the people that support you and are paying you like 90% right. of your money came from white people. Right. <laughs> exactly. You don't have to, you don't have to physically work a job right this second. You could probably pay all your bills with all the money that you're making from streams and everything else and touring. Um, cause how many people can say they've toured? Um, even if they put Coachella. out a successful, yeah, you're, you're, you're playing Coachella. 
even after everything she said, she's still playing Coachella. Those last two, yeah, she said she had two more shows and it was Coachella. Like, that's where the most white people show up. Like, yeah, I just imagine that shit smells like herpes and Axe body spray. <laughs> and one of my favorite DJs, uh, <laughs> um, uh, dances with white girls. <laughs> We've talked about him on this show before. At dances um, on Twitter. Yeah, at dances on Twitter. Follow. The funniest dude ever. Like he's hilarious. Black dude too. Smart too though. Like he's super dropped, smart. He'll drop, he'll drop some knowledge on it by flipping in the dumbest fucking bullshit. Right. But he went to Coachella <laughs> last year, and he even said himself because he even got to do some. He actually got to play a couple stages there, and all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, he probably said that he may be seeing like 10 black people there. And, and a lot of them and were Lil like... Lil Nas X was one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and Lil Nas X was one of them, you know, like rappers and shit like that. That That's that's just so funny to me that no name's going to come out and say something like that. Like you can say something as rash as that, but then you're going to go play for literally one of the widest festivals that there that there is out there and then play the Electric Forest a couple of years ago. Like you're picking, you're even picking the wrong places and then mad that white people are at your shows. That makes zero sense. Um, then you need to rebrand yourself, remarket to what you're trying to do because that's not what you went for. Um, and you're not well known enough to change that at this point until you can get a lot of people there, but you got to make stuff like, you know, I, I expect if, if, if she was opening for Toby and Igwe, that would probably be a, a lot of people of color at those shows, but yeah. that's not who she's opening for. Like, that's not who she's on tour with. Like I can, I can see a lot of black folks at that show. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what else she needs to do, but we wanted to kind of tackle this, this conversation because um, again, it, it's been, it's been uh, pretty rampant as of late that we see a lot of things. Uh, and I think the, the Drake video had kind of sparked that the most um, in the conversations that we've had and then seeing green velvet. So we wanted to connect the dots and just kind of talk about that. Um, you know, let us know what you feel. I mean, again, we, we just like to talk about the things that, that make you think we're going to make you yeah, think like about call out some bullshit on all, every side of the plate. Yeah. Every side of the plate. We, we just did it. We talked about how black people were getting robbed in certain genres and things like that. And then using basically reverse racism on white people um, and being <laughs> mad about it and getting mad at black folks for not coming to your shows. Like um, we're just calling shit like we see it. Um, you know, give, listen, give us a like, uh, give us a share. And definitely subscribe, you know, let us know, holler at us on Twitter, all of that. We, we definitely yeah. like the chat. We want to chop it up with y'all and uh, hear what your, what your thoughts are. Um, but this is take the antidote, man. I hope y'all like the episode. We'll be back next week. We'll have some more shit for you. Uh, Polly, what you got? What else you got on there? Uh, antidote Polly. Uh, check me out on Twitter and that's it. Uh, next week, maybe we'll do some album reviews. Yeah, we'll go over, do a little Super Bowl preview and just keep this shit rolling. So subscribe, tell your friends. Let's get yep. these numbers up so we can start bringing you some more A1 content. Yeah, man. Uh, take the antidote.com. Run that up. Let us know. We're on a- a- Apple Apple uh, podcast. We're on Stitcher and we're on Spotify. Just tell your friends, share it out there. Uh, definitely give it a listen, man. And we, we love any feedback that you have for us. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's us this week. We appreciate y'all. Thank y'all again. This is take the antidote.